Welcome to the AI Assisted Organization podcast, Implement AI, hosted by myself, Piers Linney, and my co-host and co-founder of Implement AI, Alok Shukla. So Dr. Alok Shukla, I always forget that. Sorry about that. Uh, morning, Alok. Hey, hey, Piers. How are you? Well, right, I'm back in the UK. I've got uh, 10 days in Ibiza, so I'm back now. I'm ready to do, do, some, do some work now. 10 days <laughs> hanging out with the kids is, uh, is quite enough, to be honest with you. And you're back in Lisbon, are you still playing chess? Yes, yes, a bit addiction at the moment. <laughs> um, so let's go, quite, again, quite a lot to go through. Uh, it's fascinating stuff, so let's get into it. So the show we're going to go through today, Im- Impact on Human Resources, you know, should you be looking at your payroll and AI agents and when do you start uh, augmenting your human resource with AI agents or potentially in some cases replacing that human resource as well over time? So we're going to talk about that, human resource and what we call AI resource, so the, the sort of AI agent equivalent of human resources. And we'll talk about fine-tuning these large language models for large enterprises. That's becoming easier to do these days. We've got the Implement AI events. We're in Manchester in Dublin, we're organizing a few others, which we'll update you on as well. And also eventually a text-to-video. I think most companies, a really powerful tool is going to be, and it's arrived, is text-to-animation and, of course, AI of the week. So let's get into it. So human resources... Um, this is something that uh, we talk about a lot of implement AI. And Alok has the analogy, which I really like, which is that you've got your sort of human resource, you know, your payroll, all these different roles. And over time, you're going to start adding, this is what we develop really, AI agents. So that we call this a micro SaaS or an agent. So imagine someone doing, I don't know, data entry is one that we're developing. And you can now augment the person. So we have this kind of, you know, your business is not going to go from zero AI to five fully autonomous overnight, but also neither is, are your employees, your human resource, your consultants. So initially they're going to be assisted, they're going to be supported, they're going to be sort of AI assisted. But over time, as the AI becomes more capable, you're going to be able to assist them more, and eventually in some cases um, replace that human resource. So that's something that is coming. And there's a lot of research out. IBM produced some research saying that 40% of workers are going to have to reskill within the next three years due to the development of AI. So this doesn't mean necessarily that people are going to be, you know, put out of work. What it's saying is that they're going to have to reskill. So either what they were doing is no longer necessary, what they were doing can be half done by an AI agent. And they've got to, I keep saying this, you've got to move up the value pyramid because it's been filled by technology. So we as humans have to add, add more value. And this was across, um, it was an international survey across 3,000 C execs in 28 countries, 21,000 workers as well were basically... Um, captured by this report. And we're saying that AI is going to absolutely change the, the nature of the workforce. And also there was some McKinsey research is very interesting as well, saying that how many organizations think that their payroll will decrease over time or will increase. Now, in many cases, overall, they're thinking that the payroll will increase because of growth. But within that, they're expecting a huge amount of change from the development of AI and the evolution of AI. And that kind of goes back to the IBM research. So I don't know, Alok, what you think about that. And I sent you over the, the research and reports, but this seems to be moving very, very quickly, a lot faster than people thought. Yeah, and I think this is the key thing, really. I mean, you were giving me that, that use case where there was like a kind of multinational organization that pr- produced investor reports in multiple languages. Before, they were paying lots of translators to do that. And now they're using AI to keep one version of the file and have it multiple translated in a simple way. I mean, that's like, think about translation as a task, like the, the cost, um, you know, the, the proofing, the phrasing, all that kind of stuff. And as you as you look into more and more tasks where it comes either like to weekly repeated interviews, let's say medication updates in a GP practice or and, you know, financial changes, updates and things like this, as AI agents are able to like talk 
take an input in text, process that information and move on. Or they can take information from documents, from emails, or even from web pages, and then, and then update and fill out more information and even call people on your behalf. More and more work is going to be taken over by AI agents. So it's really going to be about building more and more AI-assisted workflows to complement your human workflows. But you've got to then start having some really serious conversations about like if, you know, like a task which is taking three hours a week, four hours a week of, of labor can now be automated the, where does that person go? What do you allow that person to do? But then also as your revenue per employee kind of grows, you know, as a business, you've got to become more technology focused and kind of grow. So I really think that like developing your AI resource, you know, like parallel to your human resource and looking at like how you can use technology in a meaningful way this year to kind of go with things. Because like I thought multimodal you know, like computer systems, understanding vision and understanding like the images and be able to analyze and optimize those would come next year, but they're already here now. So like the, the pace of change is just so rapid that I think you really need to start looking at these solutions right now. Quite a few spoilers there for the rest of our podcast today from Malok. Um, so we'll come on to you talking about you know, translation as well. But I think the key thing to make about the IBM research is it's very easy to go and talk about, um, you know, reducing the need for headcount and human resource. But actually, one of the key findings in their report was that if you have technology-driven jobs, AI-assisted, it means they report a revenue growth premium. So this is the growth in revenue is accelerated by 15%. And those that are focusing on AI, you know, you can't always, but where they can, are seeing um, a 36% revenue growth premium. So it's not just about cutting your costs, which clearly is great news because you can increase your margins and reduce risk. It's actually about revenue growth. So you're looking at revenue growth accelerating up between 15 and 36%. And it's almost on our kind of level zero to level five sort of AI-ometer. Um, so that's really interesting. So you think, have a think about that. Brings us neatly into our sort of discussion we wanted to have today about AI agents and AI development and uh, an AI agent deployment. So you've got HR and we call this AI resources. So again, imagine all your different roles in your business. Imagine that you start switching on AI agents to, you know, take away the, the mundane. I always say automate the mundane, take away the mundane tasks, speed people up, um, reduce errors, gain speeds people up and, and reduces business risk. And over time, some of those roles are obviously going to be replaced. So it's a question of, this is what we do at Implement AI really, is going through the workflows and the roles and seeing where AI can add value, optimize and reduce costs. So you almost need to have an AIR, an AI resources department, or at least something or somebody whose job it is to think about this and to implement it. And this is where your, your chief AI officer probably needs to focus on. So there's lots of research on this as well. And you're seeing more and more what they call autonomous AI agents appear. And on last week's pod, we talked about OpenAI, had an acquisition there. And there's quite a few others where they're now recruiting teams of people to develop autonomous AIs. You saw this being called auto GPTs. And you could have, imagine they're not, they're not discrete. So you might have one specialist AI agent that's been designed to do one particular task very, very well. Another one does something else very well. So you might have data entry, data, you might have research, data entry, data analysis, and they can then talk to each other and work together just as humans do to develop, to, to, to procure an outcome objective you've got for your business. No, I completely agree. And I think that the way to think about it is as a team of AI agents, like that literally would become part of your like AI resource within a company. So the way to think about it is like, think about like the existing workflows in your business where let's just use a phone call example, where maybe one of your team members is answering the phone or is like, you know, like taking information from a meeting on a phone call and then doing some actions from that information. Well, here, you know, the AI agent could be 
you know, listening to the call, but transcribing everything, extracting all the key information, and then also like pre-doing the actions that should have happened on the next stages. But then that can then pass it to a data entry agent that can put it into any data system that's required. It can also write a letter for you. So, you know, by API, you can trigger and have a letter sent out for you automatically. There's so many new capabilities that can be unlocked. And then different agents can also then talk to each other. Like, let's just say, for example, you've got like a, a customer policy based on the details of everything. It could take all the complaint information. It could analyze that against the customer policy. And it could reframe a more empathetic answer or even a solution if it's got a bandwidth of like, I can spend up to 50 pounds to correct this issue for this customer. So you can start to understand you're going to get much more consistent, much more um, scalable you know, solutions. And but at the same time, delivered with that customization. I think like the thing that used to kind of let things down from previous automation would be like the same template you've heard every time. You'd always see the same text, the same template, and you'd be like, yeah, this is just boilerplate. But with AI, you can actually make it more personalized. And so you can actually deliver those things in a much more experiential way, basically, which I think then means that like if the human is accepting the AI as the, the, the conversation or the voice or the tone, that just lubricates everything and it just really lets you just build more and more workflows. Yeah, and I think what's important to recognize is that in most cases, going back to my point I always make is automate the mundane, right? Let's face it. And this is why, you know, I've been on TV and Dragon's Den, right? The only exciting part of a business or for TV is that moment where you put your, your dreams on the table and somebody says yes or no. The reason business is hard to do on TV is because most of it is pretty mundane. It's admin. So a lot of your the people that work for you or work alongside you, they're doing things day in, day out that they'd rather not do. So when you're looking at automation, key is to automate those parts of their day so they can focus on parts of the day where A, they add more value. And be they enjoy because they're more likely to hang around. So we've been working quite closely with a lot of um, quite a few wealth managers, you know, large and small. And they have these, you know, they recruit people, they bring them into the team, they onboard them, and they spend a lot of their day doing mundane tasks, just data entry, sifting through things that have been sent to them by large institutions to extract the data they need. And it's tedious and it's boring, but there's no other way of doing it. So, for example, there's a great example of something that can be and needs to be automated. And what that means is you're going to have probably a higher or less churn in terms of employees and higher employee job satisfaction. No, definitely. And I think if you think in your zones of like where the opportunities will be, they'll be like within the you know operations that like you're talking about, like administration. They also have your zones where it's going to be like the marketing, content creation, all those different areas, and customer support and sales. So there's so many places you can employ agents to you know, support your team members, but also take over some of those roles as well. And within the next 12 months, we're going to start to see more and more businesses with a, you know, a significant part of different workflows being done by AI. That's coming. And then the, their cost structures can be radically different to other businesses' cost structure, which will then trigger the other ones to have to then make the changes. But the key thing here is you want to be the proactive one rather than the reactive one, because you know, you need to be able to build and iterate all these things. Yeah, and you're you're essentially reducing your cash requirement, you're increasing profit, cash flow, and you're reducing business risk. So there's two wins there very, very quickly. Talk about that all day, because that's kind of what we do, but let's move on. So a big one that Alok alluded to early in the pod was the translation, right? So there's now 11 labs, and that's one of our favorite sort of AIs in terms of the ability to clone your voice. And if you don't want to clone your voice, you have some fantastic um, voice you can just select that have... You know, they're the real sort of, they sound like humans. And increasing all of these um, voices, you're even hearing them taking breath just like a human would do. They're becoming really, really indistinguishable yeah. from a human. They've now released 11, 11 labs of release, what they call multilingual V2. 
this is 30 languages. As Ella was saying, I was a, I did a keynote at an event last week. I actually flew back from Ibiza just to do a keynote and then flew back again. Never get on a flight from uh, Glasgow to Ibiza early in the morning because it's just utter chaos. Um, anyway, <laughs> so they, they were telling me that they, because they're basically, imagine a fund, billions under management. They have a huge number of uh, what they call limited partners, investors in the fund from all over the world. I think it was, it was over 20, I think it was 26 number in my mind. They have to produce investor reports in 26 languages. So when you have finished it and you've produced it and you think, oh, hang on a minute, you need to change something. Imagine what it's costing them to get that translated and then tweak. And what they were telling me is that they've started using AI to translate their reports. They've taken all of that cost out. And basically what he said, it's just better. It's higher quality and it can be changed a lot faster and it speeds up their process and their ability to get information out to their limited partners who are essentially the funds investors. That was fascinating. But you're now seeing what this really means is that, look, isn't it, is that you know, Mr. Beast is great at this on YouTube. You know, he, he's produced his YouTube videos in many languages. And last week we were showing on social media how you can translate videos. But now you can translate anything into another language. And if you're a speaker of that language, you read this content, then you know, it's indistinguishable from a human translator, and in many cases, even better. And the power of translation with AI is, is that you could translate, you know, a document from English into German and do it in a way that Snoop Dogg would speak. So not just can you translate, you can translate into different tones of voices or different dialects even, can't you? No, I think, I think that's a key point here, right? Like, I mean, you've got technical translation where you've got like solutions like DeepL or different ones like this and like similar to what like fund managers using. So technical content can easily be translated and that's a huge area of making the world more understood. But then the second part of it is like you said, is like translation in terms of tone in terms of accessibility, in terms of like the feeling and the empathy, that's another type of translation. And that's where like having the different voices, having the different avatars, having the different kind of personas can work. Because I've seen examples of a video where it's like a like a female customer service representative, and then they just change it and then it changes nationality and it looks exactly the same, but in a different nationality, you know, like from from like you know, Chinese to you know Dutch to Scottish, to, you know, like African-American, like, you know, it, it can just change. And so that's like another level of translation. So I think the whole point here is that we're going to be able to get increasingly tuned to our own tastes and our own um, goals and our, and, our, and our own kind of like mind pattern, different information. And, and, and this becomes very powerful because this is like how, you know, the, the, more, the more of our unconscious beliefs and desires can be matched, the more we're going to connect with different solutions, basically. It's hyper which we often talk about in terms of marketing, but this is just about being able to connect with the human at their level in their language. It's actually really important. So you mentioned fine-tuning there. It's a nice segue into the next thing we want to talk about, which is fine-tuning models. So large language models, you know, you, you can get them out of the box, but then, and they are, they are tuned. It's quite generic tuning. You can then fine-tune them the specific purposes for your business or your customers or whatever you do. And OpenAI now is partnered with a company called Scale, who I haven't heard of before. But Scale are sort of experts in fine-tuning these models. So now working with Scale, again, this is more large enterprises. This is not going to be particularly cheap. But this, you can now fine-tune um, uh, GPT 3.5 Turbo, which is something which has been sort of more tunable for a while. But also now they're saying that by autumn 2023, you're going to be able to fine-tune GPT-4. And, and the, the importance of this is people often sort of con are concerned about is that when you use these models and you fine-tune them, you are you almost creating know-how and IP on your lock in terms of how that model responds to the data you want to share with it. But 
that does not get shared in the general open AI, you know, chat GPT or the open AI models. It's, it's kept separate uh, for, away from that data. So if you're regulated, issues about customer data in Europe, GDPR, this solves that issue. No, 100%. Like, so if you think about it, like within a company, you've got your culture, you've got your values, you've got your mission, you've got the way you answer things, you've got the way you do things. All of that kind of like intangible communication um, is called like operating system that you kind of like embed into your team. That's how they answer and, and use tone in, in different ways. But now you can obviously like fine tune your AI to kind of like do the same sort of thing. So you can have like, you know, that, that, that customized, that personalized, and that company specific tone of answering all the different details. And so you've got your own tuned version of that. I mean, scale AI, they've been, they've been used for years for and basically providing lots of labeled data, you know, for like, um, you know, autonomous cars or different things like this. Oh, well, these are the guys that provide the, you know, you use for computer vision. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, images, exactly, right? exactly, exactly. So the thing is like here, by everybody having a more tuned corporate AI, it also, it mirrors what we talked about with the personal AI, right? Where it knows about your, your, your feelings, your, your, your objectives, your, your habits over the last week. So I think the, what I'm so impressed by is like the huge companies are providing this level of customization in like so accessibly and at such scale, I think we can't even begin to think about the impact of this basically, right? Because you can have like hundred companies answering in a completely different way, yet it's delivered by the same underlying system. You know, I mean that's that's insane. But and and this is essentially think of fine-tuning as a competitive advantage. So if you imagine you've got layers, haven't you? You've got the, the large language model, which is, you know, sitting below it, the engine essentially. And now what you're doing, it's funny that they call it GPT, they call it um, GPT 3.5 turbo. What you're then doing essentially is a fixing a turbo on top of it. So you're using that enormously powerful engine. You're then fine tuning and adding value and creating competitive advantage because that is going to interact with your business data and your customers and your stakeholders in a far more efficient and effective way generate a model would. Exactly. So you could have, and this is all part of like tuning your AI, customizing your AI to like be in line with your, you know, your, your team and the way you want to do things. It, it's, it's incredibly powerful, but it's, it sets the foundations for literally any, all companies to be able to use AI for a significant part of their workflows and even dealing with customers and stakeholders directly. Well, let's move on to implement AI. We've got a lot going on. We're going to give a shout out to our events again. So we've got a, an event in Manchester on the 18th of October. We're doing that with the Business Growth Hub and Tech North Associates. So it's about 120 places. If you look on our social media, we'll, we'll post it again uh, during the course of the week. Uh, you can then, it's free. So it's going to be us talking about how to understand AI, introduction to AI, how to implement it in your business. Uh, and then we're also doing another event on the 19th of October, which is more for large enterprises. If you're interested in that, um, probably contact us or DM us directly. It's a slightly different uh, structure. It's a much smaller audience. So we're doing that with a SCC, which is one of our partners in, in the North that we've been talking to. So that's going to be really exciting. And we're we're going to be doing more events, aren't we? Like we're going to try and do kind of an event a month, sort of face-to-face. But also I think we're going to try and start scaling it up by doing webinars. Exactly. So we've got 13th of September, um, I'm doing an event in London. And so if you're interested in attending that one, it's in association with Founders Club. So you can like check our socials or get in touch again for the details of that one. And you're in Dublin on the 29th, aren't you? It's exactly. So I'm in Dublin on the 29th of um, 
of, of, of September and potentially might be doing something in Lisbon the 21st. But, but yeah, so it's we're, we're getting around. We want to share the message as much as possible. And then we mentioned last uh, in the last week the Implement AI competition. So we're still working on that. So we're going to leave that for now. But we are developing a competition where you can win an AI consultation with us worth somewhere between five and so seven and a half thousand pounds for your your business. Also, if you haven't read them yet, please go and read our white papers. There's one on the AI-assisted organization. It's kind of our framework, our approach. There's one on you know, why, you sh- why you need a, a chief AI officer and ideally a fractional one because you know, why pay for a full one right now. And we're also looking at writing some more, slightly more technical white papers about how, we, how this works, how you deploy it, and to provide comfort to a lot of organizations about the security of their data. And I think the next agent, we're working with Elite Business. If you haven't been to Elite Business yet, go on to Elite Business uh, forward slash technology, one of our uh, partners. And we've been writing a few articles on there. We've got two now, I think. I'm probably going to write another one probably this week on what we've talked about earlier in the pod, about employees, human resource, and AI resource as well. No, it sounds good. It's like a busy, busy few months ahead. And it's, it's coming to the end of summer, and it's a great time to kind of get, get started on the last quarters of the year. So get back into the bit of news. So we talk about this every week almost, but I think it's worth just mentioning it because um, it just shows you the, the focus on AI and where, where the money's going. So Hugging Face, again, if you haven't heard of Hugging Face, go and have a look at Hugging Face. As I said, it's not some funky clothing brand. It's um, becoming quite an important repository for open source uh, models. So they've just raised about $235 million at a $4.5 billion valuation, which is Pretty amazing. I mean, they've been around for quite a long time, sort of machine learning. I think now, you know, their moment has come. So they've now, they're now celebrating the crossing of a, thousand, no, a million models, data sets, apps on the platform. So you can almost, I mean, I've done it myself. You can go on there and find a model that does something interesting and you can test it. You can um, use their data set for machine learning. We mentioned the deal about two pods ago. I've done a deal with NVIDIA, where now once you've got your whatever working, you can now deploy it on supercomputer cloud infrastructure and really test it at scale. So this is really powerful stuff. And also the beauty of Hugging Face is it's open source. So these proprietary models are very, very powerful, but it's important that you know, the access to this technology is to, as far as possible, it, it's democratized. No, for sure. Um, we, we use Hugging Face it's a great resource. And then one that you've talked about a lot moving on is um, medical imaging. So and this is what you used to do, isn't it, in terms of your, your dental business. And the FDA has now cleared um, AI-powered medical imaging. A lot of this is used for spotting cancer you know, in radiology, isn't it? Um, now you've got to have a doctor in the loop. But I think, I don't know whether they're doing that just to appease doctors, because increasingly this technology is far better than humans, isn't it? It's like self-driving cars, but you need to sit in the, in the driving seat, right? That the car will basically be driving, but you just need to have someone legally sitting in the driver's seat, basically, right? So I think, uh, well, like, well, like Tesla's, there'll be a lot of doctors just asleep in the back now. <laughs> the car yeah, itself. Exactly, exactly. So I think that that's already kind of going. And AI assisted diagnosis has been here for a while, but now it's just moving more and more towards acceptance because they've just seen how these systems can just outperform. And when they like grafted like like language models to image models and they're showing it cancers it's not seen before, it's able to understand the image from the text it already knew. And it's just it's just outperforming humans. You know, like it's still gonna happen to have humans, but like and but but the, much but the interesting point though, yeah, yeah, that's you know, we've seen that coming for quite a while, is computer vision, isn't it? It's this multimodality and you know, computer vision, when you start thinking about the 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 use cases for in you know, your personal life and security, but especially in business, it, it's profound. And I think we're going to see, and Google Gemini are working on this as well, but the ability for 
technology to see the world and understand it and respond to it is going to be huge. No, it's it's profound. And the ability to, like, like you said, build a representational model of the world, know what's going on. That's how it drives robotics as well, because it can see, like, pass me the item on the table or prevent the item from falling over. And it can detect and understand all these things. And it'll start picking up things that we don't even notice. So I think I think it's just going to be like um, a very, very interesting convergence of all these technologies happening over the next 12 months, basically. So moving on, the you know, big piece of news is kind of a, kind of a link to the, you know, the, the actor strikes in the US. But what's really interesting is that increasingly, we do this all the time, we're creating um, content using artificial intelligence. A lot of it's sort of imagery, but also written content as well. Now, you know, you have to go through that and check it if you know what you're talking about, because otherwise, releasing content into the wild that hasn't been checked by a human, a bit like the radiology in some cases, probably isn't, isn't a good plan. But over time, that's going to become less and less necessary. So you, you get this question is that, in any organization, and I know big organizations are even more sensitive to this, if you create or produce some content, whether it's written or whether it's an image, at what point can you copyright it? So there's been some case law in the US. Now, they said that you, know, you can't copyright AI-generated content. Now, that was some content that was literally just generated on the fly by an AI. But if you've taken that image, that initial image, and you've tweaked it, you, I don't know, you've edited it, you've colorized it, you've... Um, you've prompted you've um we'll come back to in painting in a minute you've in painted it or you've zoomed out at what point does that human input make that content writable now the law i'm an ex-lawyer the law is going to take probably a decade to catch up on this and there's going to be a lot of case law around it but increasingly it seems that just having ai generated content with no human interaction i kind of get it as a lawyer but i do think that the more input more human input there is in the image or that content the more likely it is you're going to be able to protect it over time. It's, it's going to go that way, isn't it, right? Like as long as you've got the commercial license for it, as long as you've fine-tuned it, as long as you've like, customized it, then it's going to be like using a computer. I mean, it's going to basically just like, say like, if I drew with hand on paper or if I drew on the computer using paint, you know, like, it's going to go like that way basically. And then everyone's going to kind of default to like, using AI with, with, with these tools. So I think it's just going to be, it's going to be very hard for regulation to kind of keep up with these things. But also like, it just becomes part of your kind of a competitive advantage to be able to like, you know, produce more information, more content in a, in a scalable way. And it's going to become increasingly accepted that if you're not using AI for these things, kind of why? Yeah, yeah it's just bonkers in terms of the cost of it. Which brings us neatly on to the next um, items, which is often in this podcast, we don't, you know, a lot, a lot of AI podcasts and news is all about, you know, you can do text to this. This week it's about text to film. Now you can just write a prompt and, you know, uh, you know a, a film about a cowboy in Liverpool and it will create a 15 minute film, literally, about a cowboy. Um, and then you can add more and more detail into that prompt. A lot of this stuff is really consumed. We don't really focus on it. But some of the real powerful tools that anyone should be using in any business are is, is sort of the creation of images and, and even art in some cases. And um, I think the best one is still probably mid-journey. You know, you've got stability and cl you know, clip drop, but mid-journey is still very, very good. The only downside is it's it's kind of still locked away in Discord, but they're working very hard on now producing a, a web-based version of mid-journey. So if you use mid-journey, this is where you kind of write a prompt, create some um, fantastic images. It can be photorealistic. It can do hands pretty well now. Everyone used to have like six fingers and no thumb. But now you're seeing that um, hands and human, the human peripherals are becoming pretty good. But... They released a couple of, a month ago, the ability to kind of zoom out. So you can put an image of yourself, you know, in your garden, tightly cropped like I am now, and you can zoom out 
It will actually, in paint, it will create the world around you on the fly. What they've now done is launched this week in painting. So you can have an image of me here, and I might have, I don't know, sat next to my dog or something. You can then mask out your dog sat next to you and then, you know, put in zebra and it will replace your dog with a zebra. That's an extreme example. But you can imagine if you've got a, a corporate image you want to use and there's something in it that's not quite right, you can go into Photoshop. And this is like where Photoshop's kind of going with Firefly. Is you can now change images with prompts in any part of an image and almost any elements in an image. You can now actually even relight images. So mid-journey is super powerful. If you don't know how to use it, it's something you should learn, especially when it hits the, hits the web. And then on that, just carrying on from that, I mentioned text to video. So there's one called NVIDIA AI. Go and have a look at that and create your 15-minute video. But I think a lot more importantly, because I think we've all used these, is often in any business, you want to create a, an animation. You know, it's cheaper than film. You want to do it, maybe a how-to video or an introduction to your business is the best way of doing it. Who we are, what we do, or how you use our product. And often you want to use animation. But my experience, animation is like 500 to 1,000 pounds a minute. Whereas now, you've got text or prompt to animation. I think this is going to be really, really powerful. I mean, it's just insane, like all, all, all the tools that are happening. But like, I think like mid-journey is so powerful. Before people were talking about like, the hands and like how they weren't right, but then that got fixed very quickly. And now with the animation and with the film, being able to do things. I mean, Photoshop or Adobe actually, like internally within the, the company, they had, they had some kind of like, almost like existential questions because they existed before to like empower designers. And, and help those professionals be more creative. And the new tools that they've created almost defeat the need for those people, you know, in those roles and those tasks. So, I mean, do, do, you, do you remember we, we were doing some artwork for Implement AI and there was an image I quite liked. It had like a, a light bulb in it, which I thought was a bit cheesy. And I said, can you take the light bulb out? And designer looked at it and wrote to us an email and said, yeah, I can do, but it's, it's going to be about four hours work. It's quite a detailed image. And I thought, mm, I don't think so. So I went into um, Adobe Photoshop, used Firefly, and just prompted, take out the light bulb, which it did. It was like a circular, there's some circular sort of um, yeah. elements in the image around where the light bulb was. I said, right, take those out now. And you would not have known that that light bulb was there, would you? It took me about four, six minutes. That's the thing now. Like, uh, it's literally a question of imagination and direction because the AI has the, has the power to do these things. If you're not using it if with your content creation, your images, your design, your presentations, you need to, because like the power is so good. I mean, obviously working with good designers and you use good AI, you can get the best out of everyone. You can do things much more powerfully, much, much quicker. Um, but, but, but in most cases, you can just say to a designer, look, I, I want to do this. And rather than just having, you know, a blank sheet of paper, it's like, kind of like, this is what I'm thinking. And they can then take it on the, can get, but it just gets you a long way down the road in terms of mm-hmm. being able to communicate with a, a, a creative mind, because if you're not creative, that can be hard to do. But this is this is the same exact the same thing like you said like sitting next to like with sitting with these AIs like mid journey or different things it's almost like sitting next to a, a designer and saying I would like an image of this like imagine you sat next to like an amazing artist saying I, I want an image of like this which is like this so it can fit within this area in this way and they draw it for you and now the AI does that they've got the same thing with encoding it's like I want a program which does this it looks like this it has a screen like this and it connects like this and then the AI will do it so now you've almost got these not just super clever, talented analysts next to you. They're also like programmers, designers, filmmakers, animators, you know, like translators. It's, you name it, they can do it. Two weeks ago on the pod, we showed a clip drop, the sort of stable doodle, where you can literally draw like a stick man on a, you know, in, a, in an orchard or something with stick trees. And it will actually then create a photo, <laughs> image of a, yeah. of, a, of a guy standing in an orchard. So it helps you then say to a designer, I don't want that, but I want something like that. You get the idea. 
that's super powerful. If you want to try text automation, go and try steve.ai. And again, this is early days. You know, AI, we always say this is the worst ever going to be, but it's actually pretty good already. So imagine this in a couple of years. You are going to be able to create very good. And I mean, you were saying, Alec, as well now, you can create a, you know, cartoons on the fly, you know, the Simpsons on the fly. Imagine that. Is it South Park? Sorry, so South Park on the fly. Mm -hmm. So very soon you're going to be able to create fantastically detailed and accurate and in different sort of um, styles, how to animated videos, which I think is is a game changer because that takes Uh, out another whole load of cost. I mean, I'm I'm just waiting for like Netflix to start unleashing its AI content, basically, right? Like, uh, can you imagine like you liked Reacher or you liked this, you liked that. Here is... 20 more reach episodes done in this way, or here's the new Game of Thrones in this way. It's just insane. And then moving on, so AI of the week. Now we've got kind of two. One's kind of an AI. It's like within an AI. One is, we mentioned this uh, over the last couple of weeks. It was frustrating that I hadn't arrived. But OpenAI now, this is in ChatGPT4, well, ChatGPT Plus, if you subscribe to it, um, which you're using, it kind of defaults now to GPT4. But this is custom instruction. So what this means is, and this is a game changer, is that when you're now, you know, when you're, when you're prompting, you know, going into chat GPT, which lots of people do saying, please write me uh, something about X, right? You're not going to get the best out of it. It needs to know, it needs context. Who are you? Why are you writing? How do you want it written? Who are you writing it for? How long should it be? What's your tone of voice? And you can go on and on and on and on. Well, you had to, you had to start that process almost every, well, I did every time um, logged into chat GPT. Whereas now you can provide background context. So if you go, if you've subscribed to Chat GPT plus, uh, go in. It probably will prompt you when you open it now to fill out your custom instructions. So one is about the context about who you are and what you do and why you do it. And there's another box, which is how do you want Chat GPT to respond to you? So for example, I like it. I prefer it to call me peers. So it calls me peers. But I, want, I don't want it to sort of apologize when it does things wrong because it's using up tokens. Just keep it short. And often when you ask it to do something, it just starts generating when you're still providing context. But I'm kind of saying, you know, don't start writing or doing anything. That I specifically expressly ask you to. So you can set up those two boxes, but it completely changes the way you use ChatGPT. It's amazing. I haven't set mine up yet, but I'm going to be doing that for this week. And then more interesting in terms of an AI, if you've seen our social media again, probably on LinkedIn or my Instagram, are the headshots. So I've been trying a couple of these over several months and they've got better. Some of them, just in case you go out there, are scams. So you it looks, it looks great. It's like, oh, all these headshots, you, you know, you pay and that's it. That's the end. You can't get hold of them. So there are scam, a lot of AI scams out there promising you amazing things, but just after your credit card. But this one we use was called, Alloy, you found it, it Aragon.ai. So I, um, I think I provided about, I think it's 12 to 14 um, um, headshots for it to sort of train itself on. And after about two hours later, it produced, I think it was about 40 headshots. Out of the 40, I'd say... 30 were off. 30 were good. I'd say 15 were good, apart from my eyes were just a bit they were wrong. They were either pointing in the wrong direction or it didn't look human. There's something wrong with them. And you could take those, exactly. copy it out, put it into exactly. mid-journey, in-paint exactly. it, and replace your eyes. So you could do that. But just in terms of, I was trying to test on uh, the immediate output, what's usable. And I would say about 10 of them, good. I think five, six of them, and I put this on social media, it was interesting seeing people saying, which one of these AI? They were all AI. But even I, looking at it, it's, I've got a scar on my head as well. Sometimes it looked like a mattel, like I'd just been hit with a samurai sword in some of the cases. But in most cases, even, even that's perfect. So what this means, though, is, again, in terms of business, is that 
that cost of going out and getting a load of headshots for your team, for the website, or someone's left or someone's joined and changing it, getting it to look the same as the rest of them is kind of gone. Um, you can now create headshots, you can stylize them for your whole team or for you personally, your own personal brand using this technology. And uh, I was I was gobsmacked actually. No, it's very powerful. And, and like I say, at the moment, the eyes thing is a bit like the hands was before, like, you know, like on the gym, but even that the solutions for it use specific imagery. And within a few months, this is going to be indistinguishable. So we're going to have a, a play of Aragon.ai and there's lots of others, but that, that's the one I use for that particular test. So that's it. We're going to, if you haven't signed up for the AI Insider newsletter yet, please do go to implementai.io. Sign up for our newsletter. Again, if you haven't read the white papers, the AI-assisted organization white paper kind of explains, you know, what we do, why we're doing it, and how we do it. And then please follow us. Uh, if you want to see this on YouTube or watch it, rather than just listen to it, it's going to be out on YouTube probably a day after we launch the uh, audio version of the pod. If you haven't yet, please do. It really matters to us. Please follow us on YouTube. Follow us help. And please rate the pod on whatever platform you use. It makes a massive difference to us. Uh, and that's it for this week. This is the AI-assisted organization podcast, Implement AI, with Piers Lee and Alok Shukla. We'll see you again next week. See you next week, Piers.